in the works with Brandon and Usa. Hello, Usa. Hello, Brandon. All right. What do we got today? Um, so we're pretty much just going over the last guest podcast with Drew Wright. Mm-hmm. Uh, make sure to watch that for more context on what we're talking about. Yeah, we're pretty much just going over the the podcast, um, going in a little deeper on maybe stuff we that was mentioned or maybe we thought that was interesting. It's not a rehashing of every single thing we talked about in the podcast because some things we talked extensively enough on and you don't really need to dive too much deeper and I'm not going to say the same points over again. So did, did you want me to scoot over a little bit? Uh, no, you're good. I have like two two boxes of yeah no you're you're all right (laughs) but anyway that's just what that's what it's gonna be and we're just gonna kind of talk through things i know i have things time stamped so i'll kind of go in order uh i don't think yeah so he'll he'll interject because i went over kind of the stuff he had and it overlaps so when i mentioned it he'll pop in and I mean that's fine let's i mean let's go to the the beginning if you have not watched that podcast go watch it um i think it was i think it was episode pretty good. 57 yeah because the last one was 58 and that was yeah. brogan's annotation yeah what, so pretty much what we're, we're doing now but for our guest brogan and so yeah so. episode 57 Something, something, and something with Drew, right? Yeah. <laughs> I just remember <laughs> Psychology, Law, and Freedom or something. Yeah, something like that. Uh, yeah. So check him out. It, oh, that's funny because those are the points that I got. <laughs> great. Yeah, exactly. You have it all written down. I will say, okay, so first thing I want to start off with uh, is just when after that podcast was done, um, so it was like a week or two later and I was visiting my mom and she was like, or no, she she saw me at work and she was like, hey, uh, I saw your podcast. I'm like, what? No way. I'm like, on what? And she's like, Spotify. And I'm like, oh, nice. And I know she doesn't exactly listen to the podcast. She she was just like, you know, I always mean to like check out your podcast when it pops up. But, you know, time and she's a busy woman. So, yeah. And so I guess on the weekend she just saw it and was like, you know, I have time. I'm just going to click it and listen. And it was Drew's podcast. <laughs> and she was like, wow, I was really impressed by you guys and the guest as well. Just like, oh, man, you all these young individuals talking about like um, literature and like ideas and these things. And she was like, it was pretty well done. I could see I could see people actually listening to it. And I was like, oh, man, thanks, mom. She was like, yeah, your guest was very interesting, very well-spoken. It was good to hear uh, from somebody of your generation. Yeah, shout out to Mama Nardi. Yeah. Uh, no, not Mama It's oh, Thompson. It's yeah. Mama <laughs> Thompson. Don't make that awkward. Sorry, yeah. sorry. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, shout out to my mother. Uh, thank you. That, that was very encouraging. And, I mean, it's to hear from somebody in the professional world that she really enjoyed that and um, could see people watching it. Uh, that made me confident um, in like, hey, maybe we're we're doing something here. And she enjoyed she said it was like, since you don't hear a lot from our generation, it's almost like a voice from our generation, which there are probably plenty of podcasts like that out there. But it's nice to offer more perspective on people of our generation. So going into the actual interview itself, 
we usually do like recently we have our guests do a quote when they come in something profound meaningful to them and drew actually chose um the to be or not to be soliloquy from hamlet and it's kind of funny he talks about it at the end of the podcast too but he he never read hamlet but he memorized um that one at one point in time he he didn't do it from memorization in the podcast but at one point in time he had read it so much and it was so meaningful to him he had memorized it and just a little bit on the background of the soliloquy and maybe why it was important to drew and kind of why it had an effect on him and why it's just a really good profound um excerpt from literature in general like that's something i found everyone just it's like wow it's a really good thing Mm -hmm. um it was when it's from the play hamlet that was written written by william shakespeare and at this moment in time uh hamlet is contemplating suicide and he questions if he should continue with you know all the calamities of life and all the suffering or should he just die because to him, that seemed like a so much easier solution to literally every problem he has. Like, why do anything? You know, I could just die. It's a better solution and to end his suffering. But um, what is after death is unknown. And that was enough to keep him from suicide. And he realizes that's why anybody puts up with life and struggle is because we don't know what happens after death. We don't know what's going to happen when we die. So, you know, we we hold on to our lives and deal with all the BS and all the suffering and things like that. And that kind of produced the line toward the end. Thus conscience does make, uh, thus conscience does make cowards of us all. So he's pretty much like, man, this is making me weak. Like, <laughs> like it's, it, you know, I'm a coward because, you know, I don't know, I don't know what's out there. Yeah. And so I'm going to deal with all this BS now. So I don't, cause I don't know what happens afterward. And, you know, that's kind of profound. And uh, I could see later we in the podcast, we talk about struggles and Drew kind of talks about his struggles in like high school and his depression and things like that. And trying to climb out of that and just rough family situations, you know, where it just wasn't a great time for the family. And it just seems like there's a lot of calamity going on. And there's a lot of just, I mean, in a way you could say suffering. I mean, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but mm-hmm. One could say suffering in that point. And I'm not saying he ever contemplated anything, but it, you know, it's serious. Like, why deal with anything yeah. when you can have another route, right? It's like, well, you really don't know. And I mean, it's when you look at this, it's kind of a very serious thing because it kind of dips into that nihilistic thought of, mm-hmm. um, hey, nothing really matters. Why do this? But it kind of <laughs> out of fear, out of fear, you end up going, Okay, well, I'll deal with it. Let's let's do this. I don't know what happens after. And that's true. Nobody comes back from the dead, so we don't know what's up. So that's kind of... I don't know. What do you think about that? Um, <laughs> You're like, yeah, sounds about right. Honestly, I have no thoughts on yeah. that. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just thought when I looked more into it, because I read Hamlet in high school, but I, I did not really kind of like I got the story but it's one of those things I guess the language and the fact that I was younger I didn't really you know, catch a lot of the real I the wish, raw seriousness I wish I could it. have more input on this but I yeah. 
as a student in high school, I did not care about the deeper meaning in literature. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. Uh, at least in stuff we had to read at school. And so it it was kind of interesting because you have the to be or not to be and you could kind of cool. you could kind of guess that every single class I almost failed because yeah. I did not want to do the work. Hey, I get that. So I it's I, I have no knowledge in yeah. that. Aspect. No, I mean, it's fine. I don't have much either. But just on that topic itself mm-hmm. of, you know, to be or not to be and what was said, well, I need to sneeze. Not really. Okay. <laughs> that was an accident. Yeah. Okay. And so we kind of move along and he talked about how he he's in school and he's doing a degree, you know, psychology and wants to be a lawyer. Um, dealing with more of the constitutional side of things like rights. And I was like, okay, why psychology if he's trying to be a lawyer? But later he was talking about how he kind of wanted like options because he loves psychology mm-hmm. and he wanted to be able to get into that if, you know, maybe being a lawyer wasn't quite what he wanted to do with his life. Like he, he mentioned just some grueling tasks that a lawyer might do and Maybe that's not what he wants to do or 80 hour work weeks is something I mentioned. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I could see that. And you had some stuff kind of along that line of psychology and um, yeah, um, kind of rights. Cause I, I didn't touch too much on that, but you had, a I thought it was amount. really interesting that he wanted to do law and psychology. Mm-hmm. And I was just looking online and seeing how those two can even like, mesh together it seems like it might mesh like okay it does a little bit yeah because mostly i hear people who are going to be a lawyer they're like i had an english major because you know you gotta know english very well (laughs) yeah so uh what i found online was that the legal teaching teachings shape how society follows the law while the psychology aspect influences how the justice is done Uh uh-huh so they kind of play off of each other, but yeah. not really. So like an example of that is like a psychologist can help with uh, civil cases like motor vehicle accidents, and they can have their input to help with that like more, what? whatever trial. Just, just really explaining like how the mind works. Cause, like why a person would yeah, do what they did? Definitely, because... Okay. You know how some people can plead, or not plead, but get, like, what is it? Oh, my gosh. Like, uh, traumatized? Like insanity. Ins- like oh, plea insanity like, or yeah, something. Yeah, plea insanity. Yeah. yeah. So, it's, it's pretty so much So, it could go that. into that yeah, a little it, bit. It goes more into that, but. I could also see um, when kind of. And I have no idea about lawyers or law, so if I say something completely wrong about it, then that might be the case. But I could see how maybe it's like knowing how people behave, you could kind of explain things in a courtroom or try to sway a jury opinion like, hey, you know, this is this is what was going on. This is what was going through his head. His actions were justified. I mean, human beings were not machines, you know, things like that. Like maybe you could argue in that manner. But maybe it does coincide with some law, like psychology. Why do we have certain laws? Mm. And it might help explain with psychology or better understand. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, like, it seems like it would connect, but maybe not in a rock solid way. It's not like 
Like it's not like English. Direct. Like okay, your your ability to read this document is gonna you yeah. Know, it, it's your it's work. a little bit indirect because even with psychology, that's kind of you know knowing how people work. Yeah, and why people do things, why people do the things that they do, and a lot of rules or you know laws are kind of kind of based around based on that. how people work yeah so <laughs> indirectly it does play a part and i kind of think of the the phrase like this is why we don't have nice things because <laughs> i don't know because people do certain things and i yeah. mean there are laws there's um kind of safety laws there's a reason why child toys aren't you know some of them are banned yeah um because hey as a parent you know you would maybe you you like so, so like tiny things that could be swallowed by a child. Some mm -hmm. things are, some toys are banned like that. And it's, it's because somebody may just leave it out. They, they may be a very good parent, but accidentally, you know, leave the toy out or they don't think, oh shoot, they're gonna, the baby's gonna swallow it. And maybe they've never been parents before. Mm -hmm. Maybe they've never been around kids. Yeah, it's just and like so <laughs> it's not that the parent was a terrible parent. It's just. You know, it, they're they're not going to think about it, and the baby's going to swallow it. So, yeah. kind of that's how I'm thinking of it with psychology, like mm. a, like human function. Um, maybe the way I can almost think how like road signs work. There are a reason why there are signs and do not enter signs. Sometimes it's not always obvious what to do, and I I don't know exactly how to say that, but I, I kind of get what I'm saying. Yeah, I do. Okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Yikes. so. That with Drew's interest, that was kind of the only thing I could think about. Just that was a little kind of using it in court, like like the way you yeah. explain just why they do. I mean, because they do bring psychologists in, or at least from the trials I've seen. But yeah, they do. They do. Yeah. But yes, there's that, and then let's see. Do, do, do. And I guess it just helps to know context and know what you're. Yeah, because what we touched was touched a little bit on was the moral psychology, mm -hmm. and that's uh, it helps resolve disputes over punishments and promotes fairness in the legal system. Gotcha. So yeah. I guess that can. Okay. Yes. Uh. Yeah, you didn't just, have much on that. No, psychology no, not really. or just, constitutional rights. Because that's know, another thing. I thought you had something about like rights or freedom of speech or something. I mean, yeah, it's oh yeah, yeah it's further down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you could talk about that because I don't think I hit legal stuff again. Um, but I know he mentioned that because, yeah. Well, he does. Uh, I meant yeah. I mentioned something later about political stuff. You could save that if you want. Okay. All right. <laughs> I guess so. Further down the line, he talks about how he was the third of four boys. Yeah. Now I was similar. It wasn't four boys. I had older sister, brother, than me, and younger brother. Mm -hmm. So it's it's kind of interesting. Like I can relate to that because a lot of times the um, the brothers, like siblings, are spaced kind of evenly and similarly to other families. And. Uh, you know, I'm not exactly, it doesn't line up. I'm not his age and he's not mine. But I mean, just growing up with brothers with that sort of spacing of ages. And I, I can really relate to where where he's coming from with a lot of like, positioning in the family and what it's like to be like the younger middle child and mm -hmm. 
things like that. And I, like, what kind of what kind of effect? Because I know I should have kind of delved into this a little more, but I think sibling like um, birth order has an effect on how people grow up, like being raised. And I guess that goes into some psychology too, but. Yeah, uh, I I forget exactly how it's supposed to. Have you ever seen like the whole uh, how parents treat their children in mm-hmm. regards of when they were born? Like the first child would have all these expectations on them. Yeah, the middle first child, child. Yeah, if there was and a the middle youngest, child, it's like we don't care, bro. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, because that's what I think of. I do think that's interesting because uh, like the first child, of course, that is the first child they've ever had so they're trying to like do it right they want to we want to do this right they're going to get more attention just in the fact that there aren't more kids they Mm -hmm. are the only baby so they'll get more attention uh growing up just uh specifically from the parents and then of course that kind of tapers depending on the spacing of course because i mean i've i've heard it where hey your, your older brother is 10 years older than you and then you were practically raised an only child because by the time you were, you know, um, like he was 18, you were eight years old and yeah. he was already out of the house. So, I mean, it's birth order is interesting, but I can definitely relate to his position. I can see some familiar familiarity from that. And then here's something you also had on yours that he moved around a lot and I I was like, what kind of effects does that have on kids? And does it really have an effect? Because he was moving like every six months to a year is what he said for yep. for lots of his like young, young childhood. So I know you had some stuff on that. Yeah. So uh, Drew pretty much was just like, hey, you know, it doesn't it, it doesn't bother me. I, yeah. He's I, like, I don't remember it. I was like, OK, even if you don't remember it. How much does it affect, you know? And, yeah. So, and I asked, like, hey, how did your brothers feel about the whole thing? And he's like, oh, I never asked my brothers that. I'm like, gotcha. No right. insight. <laughs> I guess that, that that wouldn't be a question that popped in my head to yeah, ask. Like, hey, what was it like? Yeah, I don't know. I've like, asked oh, that before. Yeah. But it's not it's not exactly like a question you ask a lot. Yeah. And maybe, like, once in a very long time. I feel like, like you really like have to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> so uh, I looking online, I did see that it did have a big impact, and there's research that's saying that yeah, it can be tough on kids' mental health, but there are other research that says the children who do move to new places have more chances to learn like just more learning opportunities and it's found that moving helps kids learn about different places as well so it's just kind of I mean, that makes sense. getting out there in the world just exploring everything yeah and just you're gonna run into differences yeah. of and things yeah pretty much like hey this is school but it's different yeah from the other way and there's a big one where moving just to a better neighborhood mm. because uh, I actually know some people who don't quite live in a great neighborhood and moving really helps just change the atmosphere and environment of everything and just improve everything. So that's a definitely a big major win. But yeah, for if, Drew, you if you can't go outside, know. you know, that's going <laughs> to 
Who knows what Drew's living conditions were? Yeah, I mean, he said he didn't really remember. So, so. but I thought it was interesting, that, you know, how it affects them. But yeah, um, kids are really take moving really well. Just yeah, <laughs> like I guess as long as you're just, just like, like with your parents or yeah, something. Just like okay. And when you're young enough, I guess you're not so deeply attached things yeah yeah so is what it seems yeah like. another thing that i saw online was um children that just migrate you know home to home mm -hmm. different houses whatever it it creates for them it's they have okay their sense of the word home isn't so much as physical anymore yeah. it's more as Hey, I have this connection. This connection is home. It's where instead. your family is. Yeah. So yeah. I thought that was really cool. I never really thought about that. Yeah. And I I don't know. Humans were nomadic for the longest time. And uh, you would set up for a couple days, maybe a week, and then you'd move. And hey, maybe you had the same shelter that you would set up, or maybe you didn't. Maybe you just traveled and found shelters elsewhere because some people weren't nomadic in the what you would think of as a nomadic tribe. Some people just went place to place um, without shelter, just city to city, town to town. Um, but families did that. And, you know, that's where a lot of human nature and culture came out of. So it doesn't seem like it would be a terrible thing for a child. I just, I just think if there's instability within, you say, the new version of home, so your family, if there's instability there, that's where I feel like moving could be terrible. Because then it's like, hey, this this family unit's unstable. So you're seek, seeking stability maybe in your environment. Mm -hmm. And then oop, you're ripped out of your environment. That's what yeah. I could kind of see as being bad. But yeah, uh, other than that, I kind of see moving around like you get better perspective. You get more perspectives. Yeah, it's an awareness of perspectives is a fantastic thing. Even the thing is with kid. these research like papers. Yeah, it makes me think these are based off of adults you know like even oh. if they were children who did go through that as adults they think differently yeah like how did this affect you because i remember you know like oh man like child being a child was so great and all this this time yeah. period was fantastic and then i really thinking about think about it, i'm like was it really or am i just thinking it was because for me because i have more context now yeah for me, it's the idea of just the social interaction. And if you're living somewhere for maybe like three years and mm -hmm. this is like your prime development. Yeah. What between, I want to say about like four and seven ish. I, I don't know enough about that. But it's, you're still a child. Yeah. You are making all these friends in three years, even mm -hmm. like on year one, you still are friends with them that's that's three years of friendship right there oh like if you're are you talking about if you were uprooted from an established place yeah pretty much yeah if you have a circle of friends that you really enjoy and I almost, really trust I almost feel at that age though it's not as significant like you might get more emotional about things mm. but i don't feel it's like a deep sense of loss i feel like as a kid you're like okay on to the next thing and you might be like man i miss my friend but i can see that you'll just keep going and later you'll be like, Oh dang, you know, when you're older. Cause I think when you're older, like if you, if you were friends with somebody for three years and then you rip, that's, that's kind of harder to be like, damn, like 
I don't have that friend anymore. And friends are, when you're older, aren't as readily available. At least good friends. Oh, yeah, for sure. And as a kid, how deep is your friendship? And, you know, how are you connected? It could be just like, hey, we play cars all the time. And it was three years of playing cars. You never really. I mean, I guess it's like that's what you consider a friend at the time. And it could be sad that you don't get to play cars with that person anymore. But okay, well, let's go ahead and just like fast forward a little bit. So Uh like Drew is college. Yeah. Uh, but let's say he moved around a lot, middle school and high school as well. I feel like that. Do you think that would play a bigger part? Because there's a saying that said that people say is you make your what lifetime friends in college or something like that. Yeah, that's because you kind of figure out who you are and you. You also are more intentional about friendships. Mm-hmm. Whereas before, it's just like, who's next to you? And that's your friend. But then when they start making bad decisions or maybe um, you guys just don't agree on things, then you don't. You might be like, oh, yeah, you're still kind of an acquaintance, but Mm. you just don't chill with them anymore. So that being said, just uh, lifetime friendships are made in college. Yeah. Would you say that middle school and high school don't really matter or? Not exactly, because I remember there it's if if the friendship started in middle school and kind uh-huh. of went that long, then it's like a real like it's it's practically family type friendship. Right. Like I've okay. known you since before, you know, I've before you your forebrain like was years. developed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like I'm thinking now, most of my friends in middle school and I guess even high school, you know, I if I see him, I'd be like. Hey, sometimes I don't because I don't want to talk, but because they were more of an acquaintance, I just know who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's just like, hey, but I didn't I, I didn't have any true real connections. I, I maybe had a couple, but even so, like time has passed and things are different and, you know, different life paths. It's. I don't dislike them or anything, but I, I just don't really talk to them. And I get you. People who I can consider close friends now are different from you know high school friends so i don't know yeah i completely understand like i i met you in high school or after it was kind of like tail end and then after tail end yeah but i met you at work and not high school yeah and so i feel like that was kind of a better placement (laughs) Mm. i don't know all right so uh our camera shut off so we're gonna try to figure out where we were um i think we were talking about friends in the Middle Friends. school and high school and kind of the difference there. So pretty much we said add what the ages, ages four to seven. Yeah. Friendship wasn't super important for I me. Mean, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. We don't but, have to go yeah. too much into okay. it. But, but, but we okay. just thought like, okay, um, a friend, a friendship for life, friends for life, typically they say happens in college. You yeah. mentioned that. And so. You know, when you're a kid, it may not be the biggest deal that shit things change, you yes. know, and um, most of your most of your friendships, like I was talking about how in high school, you know, I don't really talk to a lot of people I went to high school with and not for any terrible reason. It's just drifted apart. You know, um, I didn't have a solid core group in high school, so that didn't I didn't really worry about that stuff i know my brother still talks to some of his high school friends because he had a group in high school and they were close so he talks to them still but he doesn't i'm i mean they visit every once in a while but Mm. it's not like he's chilling with them every weekend or something so i feel like you can make 
you can make friends in middle school that translate to high school that translate to college. But um, I don't know. I think if you're uprooted in when you're really young, it's not the worst. It's not the worst. Although if you've been in a very particular place for a long time and then you move, that might be a little different. But if it's, you know, as long as your family situation is generally stable, a year to six months, I mean, Mm. you maybe don't get too close with people. But I mean, once you settle down, you'll make friends. I see. I'm not sure. (laughs) Well, I I don't know why, but in, in like the summary, I pretty much just had... Mm-hmm. with so many sources ridiculous it went into parental role and ha- saying that parents have a big part a big say in how oh my gosh i can't even i'm just gonna read it parents <laughs> have a big say in how moving affects kids well yeah i mean that's that is if that's what they know that's their anchor that's their home your parents and how you go about doing that well and then it goes into some parents use effective yeah effective practices that either allow or limit their kids movements mm. what movements as in so this is kind of going into how the parents act around the child oh yeah so like how they express their emotions how they set boundaries and how they present god provide support maybe how uh, they deal with moving all yes, the time and then just like having that. like restrictions and like other aspects yeah. i mean that makes sense because <laughs> that's that's their home you know that's the people they're around so i mean if if you didn't parent well and you moved around a lot things wouldn't go well just as i feel like if you were home like in a solid place for a while and you didn't parent well then things wouldn't go as well either i don't know but i could i could kind of see i mean i can see how parents play a huge role i still don't completely understand the restricting movements part like in in what you can't go out or something do they mean by that do they mean that i that's the part that didn't really yeah. makes I, sense to me i kind of like, get the gist of it though setting boundaries uh, having set boundaries. emotions that that sort of stuff makes sense to boundaries me because you're teaching them that <laughs> stuff yeah i gotcha all right so that was kind of what we had on that now another thing you had was uh public school versus private school so drew was or not private school homeschool Drew was homeschooled except for uh, between second and fifth grade. His high school was like an online program thing. So he just did it at home, I think is what he was saying. Um, But yeah, so he was in public school from second to fifth, which is, I think, around what you were talking about with like key development. Mm -hmm. And I mean, he was saying that, you know, he generally had a positive public school experience. So what I know you had stuff on public versus homeschooling. So if you want to kind of dig into that a little bit. Well, so, I mean, there's not a lot to dig into. I mean, it's, that's fine. It's definitely a lot of arguments on both sides. Uh, I have read articles by like, was it Mus- Muslimat and Ismail? Um, they, mm. They're just people who just kind of get into it and they support homeschooling. Uh, it 
can lead to less stress, higher test scores, better social development. Surprise. Social yeah. development. So <laughs> I thought that was just like, wow, okay. That totally... Is that for homeschool? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I think it's a very, again, it's how you do it. Because I hear like homeschooling killed me. I was behind everybody. I have no mm. social capabilities. Yeah. But I also hear like homeschooling is great. I had a fantastic so, childhood. I'm, you know, ahead of my class. So you can still definitely get not everything public school can give you, but generally the same amount of at least interaction with people. It's just done differently. Yeah. I believe. So just higher test scores and just overall just, you know, Yeah, I I definitely think it's very method heavy, kind of like how, when you were saying when moving around, it definitely dependent on parents. I think with homeschooling, it depends on parents and also maybe what other programs they're doing. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like, it because of his homeschooling and how you know research says that homeschooling children homeschooled children have higher test scores i feel like this is one of the reasons why drew did so well and mm-hmm. had a label of gifted on him and yeah, all these that's the thing i was going to go into next but i mean something i've heard is uh homeschooling wise some individuals were like oh man, I never got to do sports. I never got to do this. And others are like, yeah, my, my child or I do did sports. It was different. I didn't have a public school team or their public school had like an option to like augment into that. Mm -hmm. I forget how that works, but they did do sports and they had all that um, experience with do that. They, and do they just join like little leagues at, like <laughs> outside? I think there's oh, like just clubs because I know with soccer, I mean, there's club sports. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. I think homeschoolers also, if there's enough of them, I think they come together and do things too. But I don't know. It, a homeschooling community. A homeschooling community. <laughs> there are those. There's hey, stuff like kids. co-ops where it's like, okay, um, you're good at this subject, or it's to oh. to spread the. Um, yeah, I see. So multiple people aren't. So Who one like, person isn't carrying the burden of all the subjects. Yeah, it's just like especially when you get specializes the older, more. Yeah, like hey, this is your math teacher. It's a parent or somebody who does do homeschooling type things. Okay. And so all these homeschoolers go to class, which it's not exactly the same, but I mean it's it's kind of like that. So you're socializing with other homeschoolers and you're in class doing work mm-hmm. I mean, it's not the same as eight hours a day but maybe it is for some people yeah um, i don't know i i got a couple more homeschooled friends maybe i could talk to <laughs> okay why are all my friends homeschooled i don't know <laughs> um, anyway uh oh yeah let's do you have more on homeschool versus just, just a little bit just okay just go bit. ahead so another article i read from this man Feynman just argues that it will just isolate the kids and limit ed- education but we know just from our discussion it can it can it can but if it's done right yeah. it's done right yeah so i can see his argument cuz i mean one thing about public school is you you are getting interactions with the populace all the time especially if you're um, not like a small town then you're you're getting a swath of the populace but mm-hmm. that's also, another downside is you're getting a swath of the populace, man. Yeah. <laughs> you want your kids to know about drugs. <laughs> like, I learned about all that stuff from public school. All the all the um, terrible things, I should say. And I mean, it was just 
everybody knew it. Yeah. So another person says Halleck, also article, uh, mentions issues like the lack of standard curriculum. How do you feel about that? Um, again, it's uh, it could be done right or done wrong. How how do homeschooled people keep track of that? Do you know? So I don't know exactly. I know some people follow like programs, like online programs. Other people do like co-ops. Other, I don't exactly know if there's a particular standard or tests. Maybe maybe it's like, hey, you're gonna be given this test. Your child's gonna be given this test, and you have to go take the test somewhere. Prepare Is it them just for the like test. some kind of benchmark test just to see if I they're up so, to like, par? I mean, I, I know there was math testing in elementary school. Uh, yeah, I hate it. <laughs> I wonder, do homeschooled children still have to follow that? Uh, it's. I think there is some sort of thing like that. I definitely but, feel like there is a legal process of like registering your child. Or maybe, <laughs> it's, or maybe it's high school stuff like, hey, you just got to be able to this but yeah legally there yeah. is because it's like, illegal hey, to my, not have your kid in school my or child yeah. is homeschooled i'm gonna teach them yeah because i i have heard stories of uh people homeschooling their child but uh -huh. not really homes they just didn't want them in public school they put them to work instead and so they they have like a eighth graders education and that's that's that you yeah. know and, and they had to learn things later on in college was, you know, <laughs> a struggle. But I've also heard, you know, kid, like, hey, Brogan was in college. He was doing college, you know, before he's like 15 or 16, right? Yeah. So, I don't know. It could it can go well. I I think with with homeschooling, you might have more control on what the day looks like and the specific Pause. material. Internal temperature high. Oh. Uh -huh. That's never happened before. All right, so our camera died again, but I was pretty much talking about it was homeschool. Yes, homeschool. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think I was saying that you, you have more control in the classroom, but if you're not, if you don't have the resources, materials, whatever to teach, then of course your child will suffer, you know? That's where public school, I mean, most people, I guess, graduate, right? <laughs> yeah, most people. Yeah, so they get something. I don't, you know, I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know st statistics on public school, uh, but I think most people graduate and you have a baseline of education. Mm -hmm. You can read and write, right? Hopefully. Right. That's how it's supposed to go. I know it doesn't always happen. Same thing with homeschool. Um. So uh, I want to go to, um, you had some stuff on this, that Drew was actually considered, you know, a gifted student. And, I mean, he had strong opinions on that, though, about, you know, uh, gifted programs and expectations, especially being put on a uh, fourth grader. So I said such as, like, hey, you're supposed to be as smart as a sixth grader. And, like, how would they feel if they're not living up that to that, you know? it's like you are supposed to be the gifted, that gifted child. And it's kind of like dooming them with expectations is things he mentioned. He also mentioned he didn't really know like whether it was bad or kind of a good thing. But it, he just know or he just knew kind of from experience you, you know, a lot of the gifted children. And I've seen this, too, with other people who were putting gifted programs is expectations were just put on them. And then later in life, high school, college, 
you know, when things get difficult and maybe they're not doing things with ease anymore, you know, they get really anxious and um, they start to kind of spiral a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. it becomes a problem. And just for context, Drew, um, he was going, they offered for him to go from third to sixth grade. So that's kind of a, a big, a big jump, in my opinion. Like, I I never was offered to skip grades or anything. But even just one, I heard, like, kids scripting, skipping one grade. But that's, like, two grades, fourth and fifth grade. And you go straight to middle school. It's wild. Throwing an elementary schooler in with the middle schoolers. Oh, geez, <laughs> that's rough. And um, I guess his mother didn't want him to miss out on a lot of his childhood and um, didn't want to rush that. So she didn't put him, um, she didn't make him skip grades and such, which I think probably is a good move. Cause I think so. I, <laughs> you don't want to rush kids to adulthood, man. That's, you know, I don't know. Or maybe, maybe it's not a good move. Maybe it should have been done. I don't really know. Because I think, again, some kids would flourish from that, getting done with school. And, you know, they still have, like, their teen years. I'm not sure. What are your What are your thoughts on that? I think <clears throat> even if their front lobe is not developed, you should have a conversation with them. And talk to and them like, about it. explain to them, hey, this is three years of your life. You're only this but, but age. But would they understand that? I don't know. <laughs> Well, that's why you just you just need to set aside a a good amount of time just yeah. so you have time to explain and articulate what you really mean and make sure they really understand. Yeah. Because hey, if you jump three grades, that's three years. They're yeah. you know children's three years. You'll older be a thirteen-year-old in like classrooms with sixteen-year-olds. Yeah. Like people, people. In their teens, you know, they do tend to bully. They do tend to do Hardly this. Like it's homeschool. If you're homeschooling and you skip grades. Oh, homeschooling and skipping grades? That's different. Yeah. I feel like that would be a positive thing. I almost feel like just knowing what I know about public school. No, it feels public school. <laughs> Dude, the oh. small kid, man. <laughs> the small kid, like the you young will kid. you get picked on. Like, hey, you'll have friends. People will respect you. But you'll also get heavily bullied, too. Yeah. I don't know, man. And maybe you're there because you're smart as hell and you'll be able to navigate that. But that's also it's also rough. It's also like, rough. Uh, I but yeah, I definitely think having a sit down with your child and explaining everything as long as just even if it takes a long time, just making yeah. sure that they understand and let, letting them have the decision, because at that point it's on them. Yeah, I shoot. I don't know. That's that's kind of a tough thing. Would you? Have your kids skip grades. I almost feel like it could I you could have them skip grades in elementary school. Well, okay. Hold but on. middle school Question. <laughs> middle so school if, and high school. If they were able to skip grades, can they go back? Can they go back? Can they go I, back? You know, I don't know. I feel like they should or, be able to. Or can they wait? Like can you skip grades, you know, get your fifth grade education, oh, then shit. have like <laughs> it turned off again. Ah fuck. Okay, camera died again. But, Technical <laughs> difficulties, thank you. But we were saying that, like, can you go back? If you, yeah. can go, if you can skip grades, can you go back? And, you know, maybe you can. Because I feel like that would be ideal. Maybe you could take if, some gap grades. Yeah, if, <laughs> if that grade. kid wants to go ahead and jump three grades, they can. And if they don't like it, they can just be like, hey, I want to go back to my, my regular life, my normal life. Yeah. And then just go back. I, I, I feel mean, like that would be ideal. It wouldn't. 
I don't know. It, <laughs> it It's hard to really know, especially since, like, I went through public school for my entire life. I don't know how it would be different. You know, you could only guess. You could only try to follow research. But until, until say, you raise a child in a particular manner or you say go back and live it yourself like you just won't you just won't know um did you have more on that i do not okay that's fine all right so in public school i mean he he considered adhd he had to take meds and things and he would um he was very interested in books and he would read so many books and um so much so that they would have to take his uh books away during lunch so he would eat and you know, it, it kind of it's unfortunate that, you know, he had to be in that position. But also, I think very interesting how focused he was on reading. And I feel like that helped him develop who he is now and maybe articulation and imagination. Because after that, he was talking about books he read. And I think this is fast forward. He read one by um, William Wilberforce. I forget what book he was talking about, but it was pretty much about um abolition in britain and like slavery and such Mm -hmm. and i thought this was interesting i had no idea who william wilberforce was so i kind of looked him up so he was actually born on august 24th of 1759 in kingston upon hull england and he came from a wealthy family and so he kind of in his youth he was kind of drinking and gambling um so that messing around i guess okay came from money messing around in england Ah, came from money. Yeah. At uh, at 21, he decided he wanted to become, you know, in off- he wanted to go into office, and so he became a member of the British Parliament. And you're like, okay, the dude pretty much messing around, and then he wants to go into government. <sighs> Whatever, you know, you don't think it's a significant thing. Yeah. Maybe he was just trying to prove himself. Maybe it was all pride, you know, young man dream, you know. But when he was about 24 in 1785... He read a book or a, I don't know what else you would call it. A what, what a passage. No, what, what do they call those? A essay? Something like that. A book or an essay. Um, and uh, I didn't do too much research into it itself. But uh, he read Rise and Progress of Religion in the Soul by Philip uh, Doddridge. And... I guess that that had such an impact on him that he became a Christian, cleaned up his life, and dedicated his life to God and like reform based on his Christian ethics. So he pretty he did a one eight after reading this. He pretty much did a one eighty. <laughs> he's like ah maybe not. <laughs> he was like yeah drinking gambling. Now he's like I'm a Christian and now I'm gonna dedicate my life to this and the ethics of this. And in 1787, uh, he. I guess in a journal he wrote that God gave him the objective of suppressing the slave trade in Britain and such, or I guess in general. So Oh, he, it's that person. Yes, okay. that's who he was talking about, the book okay. that we were talking about, and kind of got us on the topic of slavery and such. And uh, so, yeah, so he was like, okay, God told me uh, to try to suppress slave trade, you know, try to get that done. And I guess in... In 1807, when he was about 48 years old, he pushed a bill that ended the slave trade uh, with the French colonies. And so he kind of ended some slave trade. And then he died on July 29th, 1833. So about 74 years old. 
But that was just three days after the slavery abolition um, got passed in Parliament. Slavery Abolition Act. Yeah, got passed in Parliament pretty much saying, hey, no slavery, free the slaves, stuff like, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So Drew was just talking about how, you know, that guy really pushed um, anti-slavery kind of in Britain, which was kind of the first place, I think, at that time where that was happening. Yeah. I mean, that was... <laughs> That's know. wild that he just did a 180 and then yeah. he just, like, causes a ginormous just, yeah. thing. You know what? We're uh, get rid of slavery there. And I thought that was fantastic. That's and you crazy. think the Civil War was... Many years later, 1833, that was like 30 years later, 27 years later. Yeah, just imagine having your, like, everything you thought was right just and turned upside down and then just creating some kind of, like, revelation. Yeah, and I was very surprised, but also not, because um, I've heard this a lot through history. I was surprised how much Christian Christianity influenced his life, like William's life. And um, I wonder, you know... What exactly did that book speak about in relation to Christianity and faith in the soul um, that so profoundly changed him that he was like, I'm flipping and then later being like, all right, we're going, you know, we're just mm-hmm. going to this is what my life is for. This is my purpose. And I think that was very interesting, very profound, because I don't see that level of conviction often Yeah, nowadays, but I hear it in history that people like this where they're like. They do a 180, and then now just their life is dedicated to something. I'm definitely sure there are stories out there, um, but I don't hear them too often, mm-hmm. which I would like to hear them more often. But I thought that was just fascinating. That is. And then you kind of talked about the ethics of AI and stuff <laughs> like that. And <laughs> I don't, I don't want to talk a whole yeah, lot yeah. about I, it, but... I wasn't expecting you getting into that. Okay, because so. I'm like that's, <laughs> I'm like that's a, that's a can of worms I don't know much about, and it's it's so new. It's easy to say wrong things, and everyone gets up in arms about it. And I, I just don't want to say stupid stuff on things about things I don't know. Um, but then we talked about like when he was a kid, and um, I was like, hey, what are some things that you were proud of when you were a kid, and he was saying that, you know, he was kind of a dependable individual in the sense that, you know, he would take action. Um, so when his dog got hit by a car or when his brother almost drowned, even as a child, even though he wasn't maybe able to directly do something, he was able to support or take action, like go get his father or console his mother, you know, things like that. Like he was there, he was doing things. And, you know, I could see how those events influence him now. Like you could see it when he speaks during his, in his actions of like how he carries himself. He wants to be that dependable person. So I found that kind of fascinating. And then later he kind of describes, this is like 30 minutes into the other podcast. <laughs> We've been talking a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He draws struggle uh, or drew struggled with depression and the fact that he was, you know, secluded and generally on his own to deal with it. I mean, it, cause it was during the time of family struggle. So he deeper down he went deeper down into depression um, because he was failing a hard class. It was difficult class, new teacher, you know. But he mentioned, you know, he was supposed to be a gifted. He was a gifted student. He was the gifted student. Yeah. And man, he's failing this class, and he has to ask 
his mother for help with things and his mother is emailing has to write emails for him and like it's apologizing and and he just said there was a lot of shame and guilt and there was trauma in high school that also led to the depression um, but also being isolated from social interaction outside of his family um, that was causing an issue so isolation we were talking about homeschooling i guess in this case this is where that isolation was happening like mm. for him there was an isolation and you know he was just cut off and it was not a good time and every single person in the family was going through something different like he mentioned like some family members were either passed away or needed taken care of and like uh, his brother was sick for a while like everybody in the family was going through something i'm like damn like that's it's not like hey we're going through this together it was each person yeah. is getting hit with something different and we all have to support each other yeah <laughs> and so he was saying that was, that was just a rough time and it would be difficult to stay you know stay to be stable and grow during that you're like in survival mode you know you're just trying to you're just trying to last you're just trying to get to the next day and you're not really growing anywhere you're not really looking toward the future too much you're really just like trying to trying to be okay and that that is what he described to me that kind of period of his life was through high school and <clears throat> and there was really a turning point after high school maybe like a did he say like a year about a year after high school i think like about a year yeah but it was incremental it wasn't all at once so the turning point and that's kind of what i wrote down here the turning point for drew was after high school um he needed a job he just wanted some money so he was door dashing and he mentioned that was his nihilism job like you know go to work do this do that go through the motions you know he would get money and then eat his way through it is what he said and uh, so he just he was just going and it wasn't really much and I was, but at I was least like, he was going i mean at least he was doing something yeah but yeah i mean that trying to fight things with going through the motions is difficult but at mm -hmm. least it's somewhere that's not in turmoil you know maybe he's suffering but it's not you're not going down you're yeah. just kind of staying for me uh have you uh, yeah andrew andrew he was on the podcast oh yeah yeah another podcast guest so from a while ago he sorry gathering my thoughts Okay. He, when, whenever we worked together and then I just kind of quit all my jobs, all three jobs and didn't really have anything. Mm -hmm. And our podcast was still like kind of here and there. Yeah. He described me as a person who just stopped. I just completely stopped and mm. I was incredibly depressed because of it. Mm. And I didn't have a direction to go. I didn't. I was just there. Yeah. I just existed. And yeah. it's it kind was, of a, it was bad. <laughs> it's a rough place to be because I felt that way coming out of high school. You know, I um, I had a particular route I was going to go in high school. And then I needed, they changed the prereqs for the class. And it messed up my schedule. And I took pretty much all classes that I didn't really want to take. Except for like maybe one or two, which subbed in that were great. But it was all classes that I was just like, damn, nothing that I wanted. And I just wasn't motivated. 
And that carried over after high school into college. And I was, you know, I was working at the place you were, but it felt like this. It felt like the nihilism job. You know, it felt like the day in, day out. And in school, I was like, why am I in school? And, you know, I, I could do good in school, but I just wasn't doing great unless I was specifically interested in that class, which for me, that never happened. You know, I was always doing decent in uh, in high school. I was able to just listen, um, maybe take notes and not study too much. And I'd get get it. I'd get A's or B's. And uh, senior year changed that for me. And it kind of became a habit to just, ugh, you know, if you're supposed to be a smart kid and mm-hmm. people are like, you have so much potential and then you don't. You just feel like, what am I doing? And you just, again, nihilism job. And not saying yeah. the whole time I was like depressed or anything. There were great moments. Um, but it's just you don't feel like you have a direction. And I can definitely relate to what he's saying there. Mm-hmm. And um, But yeah, but it, it switches. It you is. know, it's slowly, incrementally. He gets a job um, for a local politician. It's a campaign job. And it's a really small town. I, I forget what he was or not necessarily town, but small election, yeah. really small. Um, but yeah, he was just talking about how, you know, he just made t-shirts and signs and things. And you said it was fun. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> and I was like, okay, how did this affect his decision to become more involved in politics? Maybe because it was the one of the like better things mm-hmm. to, to come out of things. I don't know if he was interested in politics before, but, you know, if that's something you really enjoy to do and really enjoy doing and, and related to politics. In my head, if he, like like we said, he clearly enjoyed it a mm-hmm. lot. So I'm thinking, what if he just enjoyed the viewpoints of whoever he was supporting? Maybe. And then, and then just, just like, kind of yeah, went into you know, politics I, yeah. with it. And I don't know. You know, that's something we didn't ask. He could have been interested far before. Definitely. I, I don't want to put words in his mouth. Um but another job he got was political canvassing, which is pretty much knock on doors saying, hey, will you vote for my guy? And for him, it, he said it helped him practice socializing. And like he, he talked about history teacher that he'd knock on the door and he'd have hour long conversations and vote so, for my guy. Yeah. Vote for my guy. Wasn't it a female running? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Separate thing. It was oh, a different, oh, that was a separate thing? I think thing? it was a different thing. Oh, different political two? job. Yeah. Why? I, I don't know, but I think that's what I heard. Okay. Um, I totally missed that then. But yeah, so that's that was another job. And so he kind of was really out there knocking on doors, talking to people. And it said he, it was really good. And he started to go to therapy. But uh, I don't think he mentioned um, what he did with therapy and how it helped him. But pretty much what I heard and what he said was he started doing positive things incrementally like he started doing music and then you know he realized okay maybe i should go to college you know that probably a good be a good thing <laughs> which i'm like yes another step and he was listening to hours and hours of jordan peterson which um i think he's a clinical psychologist i don't know if he's still licensed there's controversy surrounding him but generally he's got a good message um and he was listening to him for years, but he didn't do anything. He was just taking in the information and then not not following it. But then he started taking that advice, you know, taking advice of getting responsibility of taking ownership of yourself and things like that and um, having a clean room. And, you know, 
understanding what he went through before having a clean room was like a milestone because it was like i have my shit together after yeah. all this stuff happening in your life and then when he was talking to me and he was like yeah i got my room clean and to me i wanted to mention that again in this podcast because that i mean that's like a that's a marker that's something you could put in your cookie jar if you know what that is like things you could store away like hey i have a clean room now like it wasn't like that before and the clean room doesn't just represent like items it represents my life like mm. <laughs> things are okay like i'm okay and i'm able to go forward and i think that was really cool um hearing that and positive things like he, he really started to gain momentum um and being in much better positions you know in a much better state of mind he really began to kind of do good things and um uh, just real quick yeah. i just want to apologize that i and, and to our video watchers like i'm if i look distracted it's because i kind of am oh yeah yeah i know you got family some family stuff are just in and it's just yeah it's just a lot and yeah, i just want to apologize no problem. i got so much information here uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> no it's not that much it goes quickly toward the end because it's okay. it's very similar stuff so i'm not i'm not concerned um but i was just thinking how much a positive uh, effect friend groups have because he mentioned uh the friend group that we were going into i don't want to talk too much about that i've talked about that a bunch yeah just kind of like how it was formed and yeah yeah i've talked about that before but yeah. how much of a positive effect like especially if you were used to isolation before how um, great it is to have people to share life with people who care about you and that you can care about and people who foster growth and ideas you know and just camaraderie so if you have generally a positive group you're it's gonna build you up better and faster than if you were just all alone and i feel like this just added to his momentum and um you know now he he's got he mentioned he was getting an acting job he's got the acting job he you know auditioned he got the part the acting job um and he'll be in a play or a musical or something and something else he mentioned um so he'll actually be in that stuff and again that's really cool i only yeah. heard of one show yeah and there was another one where they were going to be like animals or something and we joked about furries and he was like no 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 stuff like that oh okay. <laughs> and uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay so we talked about a schedule too and um i found it interesting because he was talking about just scheduling today and like tomorrow and then having an, an accountability calendar like did i actually do these things mm -hmm. and that's just so good because it he's playing to what he knows about himself you know if it's too far out he's not gonna care but today and tomorrow and then did i actually do what i needed to do yeah it keeps on track so i thought that was cool that um, is. yeah and i also felt like drew Wait, hold on sorry uh, yeah. i, I kind of want to track back onto Go ahead. the uh, two calendar thing i ever since he said that have you been doing that i haven't have like a physical count i okay i do have one physical calendar <laughs> <laughs> but i do too i've, I've also been calendar. using two separate uh apps on my phone really one is called structurize mm -hmm. and pretty much i just block out all my time just so i can kind of see how it looks and just make sure like i do those things yeah and then i would have you know my separate calendar for like bigger things like just important dates 
Mm. and stuff that happens way into the future so on my physical calendar i am pretty much going ahead and doing more habit like stuff yeah on my phone i'm doing like structurized where it's playing out my days these are the things i need to do today and then i'm also using my reminder app are you finding a lot of benefit like from this stuff oh yeah for sure because i I would just look on my phone it's like oh i still have to do that oh this is what i need to do next because it's a widget on my phone so whenever i open it it's just there yeah i only have one page so it's just there and i'm just like oh okay cool i gotta do this nice so so it's been helpful that's kind of great yeah so i was just like oh wow yeah that's a good idea just having multiple things just to like you know save your ass on stuff yeah and so kind of from here i didn't um touch on a lot of things he mentioned it was more like analyzation like i like how drew it seemed like now he's really riding the wave of opportunity when doors open he's going through them he's like now seeking to move forward and chugging along um as things change and it's different from what he's used to and you could tell he's loving it like he seemed even just in the year i've known him like he seems so much happier and like he's getting out and doing things also he mentioned animorphs i looked that up (laughs) uh kids acquire a new morph like animals to solve problems of that day and they're battling like a secret alien infiltration and i even okay. looked up the video of that's interesting that you flip the corner oh yeah see, that's transform- the only thing i remember yeah, i saw i saw the i literally a youtube video and it was like a dude slow a, a silhouette slowly transforming into a silhouette of a yeah. salamander and i was like nice that was the only part of the book i quote read yeah <laughs> so i just thought that was funny i went and looked that up um when asked what drives him he spoke um, initially that it was fear fear of failure. And um, it, I was wondering if maybe that's from expectations of being a gifted student. You know, mm-hmm. like maybe that's where that's from. Maybe just in general, because I feel like everyone's been there. But maybe that's specifically what happened. I'm not, I'm not sure. But yeah. then he said now he's kind of switching to the mindset of running towards something. So it's almost like a flip-flop of what he was talking about in Hamlet. It's like, man, I'm I'm scared of death, so I'll deal with all this stuff. Now he's like, it's not so much the fear of failure. And, and I'm kind of like jumping reasoning. It's not an exact analogy. But mm-hmm. instead of the fear of failure, now he, he has a goal in life. There's a reason um, he's doing stuff. And it you know, it doesn't have to do with I'm scared, you know? <laughs> yeah, he so, just has, like, a reason to go forward. Yeah, without... and he, he mentioned our previous guest, Brogan, because uh, he's a friend as well. Um, Brogan's ability to just do things, and um, Drew kind of realized that, oh, my gosh, you can do that, you know? <laughs> and it's I was thinking, how many things do we leave on the table because we only thought about it, and that was enough to subdue our appetite for action, you know? And how can we switch to like a, a good mixture of action based thought, you know, because mm-hmm. oftentimes you'll think about something and it, it's like you're doing it in your head and then you're satisfied. You don't care anymore. And then you just do something else or nothing at all. And you end up not doing much and not kind of chasing your interests. And so uh, that's something that, you know, I've heard. I've heard some stuff like that. People talk about that. But thinking about it now, the the um, do don't think. It's not that you don't use your mind. It's like you don't replay it in your head to where you think you've done it. Yeah, 
you do it. And of course you use reason and logic and you think about it, but you do it. Don't get so hyped up on it. Proceed to do the action. And um, I also wanted to give a Brogan update. <laughs> so he's still training for the 24-hour run. I guess the guy who's running the group hasn't really talked much on the group. <laughs> Don't know. <Okay. laughs> he got a bed in his van, loft style, so he can nice. push stuff under it. Yeah, um, He's doing projects in the wood woods. He's still going, taking a class or two. Um, he also mentioned that he's more inspired to do projects now that he has more free time. Nice. And he thought, I forget exactly what the difference was. He... He thought since it's like more time, oh, you'll be able to do more. But no, it's since you're doing less, like you want to do something. Yeah. So I, I forget exactly how he phrased it. But so he's he's enjoying himself. So <laughs> and, unless you have the more you have. Yeah. Yeah. But I just kind of want to conclude with uh, what I enjoyed about speaking with Drew. Um, so I wrote um, Drew is focused on becoming himself. Uh, he engages opportunity he utilizes past struggles as strength for the future and he cares deeply for the people around him that's kind of things i got from that and just from knowing him and so it was it was a real pleasure to talk to him like that and kind of get a story because i you know being in conversation i've heard like this or that that, Mm -hmm. but never like the full kind of the lineup and to, to really see where where he is and how he is now i really enjoy seeing that with people like their story, their come up, because it, it, it really explains them now and it, it makes them more beautiful as a person mm-hmm. to, to see where they've come from. Even if maybe it's not so much struggle, but if you could connect who they are now with what they were, their past, things like that, who they were as a child, it just, it, there's so much more context and I feel like it's more pure, it's more true. Yeah. So I enjoy hearing people's past like that. So any kind of anything you had wanted to add there? I mean, it's pretty much what you said, just him pretty much just being able to verbalize all of his past just hardships, Mm -hmm. past hardships, and then just being able to move on from that and not even moving on from that. It's taking it with him. Yeah. Using, utilizing what you've learned. Like he's turning what happened to him into a newfound strength type mm-hmm. of thing like it was it was definitely a uh, <laughs> it was a trial and he learned stuff from yeah it. um and you know we talked a little bit about future stuff i didn't really comment too much on that um but if if you want to check that out just watch the podcast i mean episode 57 <laughs> something, yeah, something something like and that. something with oh shit Drew the camera's Wright. off okay you ready okay so this time our camera did not die it was just full yeah, it so was cool. I'll just reiterate this last part because it may have cut out right in it. Um, yeah, so uh, what I enjoyed about speaking with Drew, uh, Drew is focused on becoming himself. He engages opportunity. He utilizes past struggles as strength for the future. And he cares deeply for the people around him. And I think that just accurately kind of represents who he is. And, you know, I... I not sure if I said this before it cut out, but um, I just absolutely love hearing people's story, um, their the context of their life and understanding, you know, where they came from and how they came to be who they are now. And it's just it makes it makes the person more beautiful in my eyes. You know, you could 
the the beauty of their story and their character and i and even sometimes with rough stories it's just it's really cool to see how people transform how people change but how they also stay the same mm-hmm. so yeah any, any yeah thoughts? um i was just saying that i enjoy drew and how he pretty much takes his past and his hardships and taking it and he moves on from it but not only does he move on from it he takes it with him and then that kind of becomes his strength and motivation yeah and that's that's kind of what i enjoyed yeah it's really cool it was really cool talking to him um you know you don't always get to hear the whole kind of like up until present life story of your friend you usually hear it in clips but yeah it was it was really nice and i i enjoyed the conversation and I think you guys would too, so go watch it. Definitely. Yeah. And cool. I mean, that's really all we got. And just, uh, I guess you could say the, the the couple words you always say. Remember to <laughs> <laughs> comment, like, subscribe, cool. hit that bell notification yeah. button, rate us on <laughs> Spotify, five stars, high five. Thank you. And... Remember to comment yes, on comment, our please. YouTube videos. Yeah, comment on YouTube video. E- even if you're on Spotify, just hit up YouTube and put just a comment chat with on us. there. Yeah, just chat I, with us. I know? enjoy seeing the comments, and I just want you to say like what you kind of got out of Drew's podcast and what you found was interesting, and just kind of your your reaction to it all. And, uh, and for all the shy people out there who don't like to, you know, have their username or name on videos sooner or later there there will be an email <laughs> there will be an email there will be an email for ideas oh uh, idea uh, submission you didn't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> we've been planning this for like oh shoot, <laughs> forever man. ago but yeah, yeah just man. so Sorry, we can get like more ideas right and stuff. school's in session man <laughs> it is uh there is a lot going on yeah but, but yeah i i really like hearing from people and um, seeing their comment uh, i'm definitely not going to judge you or any suggestions yeah those are nice yeah so just leave something and i'll try to respond so far i've been able to respond to every comment you know oh, nice. the one maybe two that's down there sometimes none so just uh yeah leave some more and i'll respond to them but but yeah that yeah, that's, that's it that's pretty much it all right Sorry for the technical difficulties, you know. It's going to be fun editing We're going to stitch that together. We couldn't even tell where we left off, so. All right, well, without further ado, farewell, guys. Bye. Thank you for watching In The Works. Subscribe and like for, for more. God damn it, there's so much. There are five clips now. I'm sorry. That was fine.